All right, pray with me if you would. Lord, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, and as this passage talks about, uh, Lord, when there's a big task in front of us, we need courage. And Lord, we don't need courage um, unfounded on anything. We need courage because you say you're going to be with us. So Lord, help us to learn from uh, this great leader, Joshua, and what you did in the Old Testament. Lord, make it an example for how we are to uh, approach the, uh, the things that we're supposed to conquer as a church. So Father, give us wisdom, and, and Lord, I pray that you would preach today, that you, your spirit would give understanding to us as we look into your word. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. All right, let's uh, read this passage one more time from Joshua 1, 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all that the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, then you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. All right, we have some parallels to look at this morning. Uh, Now don't worry, I'm not having delusions of grandeur. Even if you guys voted me to be as your pastor, I don't think I'm Joshua. (laughs) Okay, that's not the parallel that I want us to see. The parallel, however, is that these guys were facing a monumental task. They were told to go into the promised land and conquer the promised land. They were prepared for the battle ahead. They knew that it was going to be a battle. They didn't enter the promised land like a bunch of tourists. You know, they weren't wearing their little, their khaki cutoffs and and their, uh, what are those bags you wear around your waist and you have binoculars, you know. They, They weren't in there as tourists. They were going in knowing that they had a battle in front of them. Now, theirs was a physical fight. Ours is not. Ours is a spiritual one. Paul reminds us of this in Ephesians 6, 12. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now, let's see what God told them about the battle to come. The first thing is, they had to work to claim the victory that was already theirs. Joshua 1, 1 through 4 says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. 
Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, okay, will tread in the future upon, I have given to you. So he says the place that you will tread, I've already given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. One of the things that I am entirely persuaded that we need to do is to go out, get in front of people, and share the gospel with them. Now there are two huge benefits to this. One is that lost strangers, lost people we've never met, are going to hear the gospel. That is a huge benefit. That's something we're supposed to do. The other huge benefit is that once we learn to share the gospel, we will be prepared all the time to do what the Bible says and to obey the Great Commission whenever, it give, whenever God gives us the opportunity. He says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. And once we learn to do that and become confident in doing that and become practiced in doing that, we will be able to share the gospel with anybody at any time. If you have an opportunity to discuss the gospel with your hairdresser, you can do it. If you have an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody you work with, you'll be able to do it. If you go gather around family and you have this lost cousin and you get to share the gospel, you'll be confident, you'll be ready, and you'll be able to do it. Now, this is not something that I, would, that I want us to do and that the Lord wants us to do on a Thursday evening, you know, between 5 and 6, okay? That, that's great if we set up a time to go out and visit. That's wonderful. But what the Lord wants us to do is share the good news with, with everybody that we come in contact with as He gives us opportunity. Now, I've been around those awkward people that kind of grab you and go, Brother, are you saved? Let me hand you a track. I'm not saying that we need to um, force opportunities. But if we pray for gospel opportunities... I have found that is, a, that is a prayer that always gets answered. If we look for those opportunities and pray for those opportunities, the Lord will invariably bring those opportunities to us. Now, I realize completely, and I hope everybody's listening, I realize completely that not everyone is able to physically go out and do any kind of visitation program. Some people are physically unable to do that. That is okay. Look with me in Joshua 1, 14 to 15. God says to Joshua, and Joshua tells the people, Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. Now, I am not saying that our ladies can't evangelize, okay? But what I am saying is that in this case, the wives and the little ones were not prepared to go 
into the physical battles that the Israelites were facing. <coughs> All of us who are believers and are of, of sound mind are able to enter this spiritual battle on one front or another. Now, it may be different things. If you can't go walking the streets with us, that's completely okay. Can you come and pray while the ones of us that can get out and walk the streets do so? It is a spiritual battle like we just talked about. When the Lord answers our prayers about guests and visitors coming in here, we can all be hospitable to them. We can be genuinely welcoming. You can financially support the church. Um, War is expensive. (laughs) We know that. So the first thing that these Israelites had to do was they had to go work to claim the victory that was already theirs. The next thing is God promised to be with them. If you'll look with me in Joshua 1.5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Does that passage sound familiar to anybody? Now, what, here's a pop quiz. I've been talking about this the past three weeks. What is faith? What's, what's faith? Anybody? Faith is believing God, right? Faith is believing God. It's not positive thinking. Faith is believing God. God said he would be with them and never forsake them. That should have given them all the confidence they needed, wouldn't you say? If God says, I'm going to be with you, go in there and take this land, well, you'd think that would give them all the confidence they could possibly need. You know, somehow, sometimes we read about the Israelites and their determined um, idolatry and their, their, their continual lapses back into not obeying the Lord. And, and we have a tendency sometimes, or I do, to kind of get on a high horse and say, man, how could these Israelites be so dumb? How could they keep doing this? Well, I encourage you to to get on your high horse here and say, how could these guys not know that they could conquer the land when God said he'd be with them? Because then it'll be more impactful when we see that the Lord said the same exact thing to us. All right, third point is they were to be strong and courageous. He tells them over and over and over, and God is repeating himself. God didn't forget that he just said it. I think he was really trying to drive this point home. In verses 5 through 9, he says, No man shall be able to stand you stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. That's one time. Only be strong and very courageous being careful to do according to all that the law of Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. For have I not commanded you? Third time, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now the God who delivered them from the Egyptians with the awesome displays of his power is the same God that will lead them to victory in the promised land. 
Now, this generation had not seen that deliverance uh, from Egypt. Why? Because they wouldn't go into the promised land the first time they were told to, right? So all of them, except for Caleb and Joshua, and Moses, of course, died in the wilderness. And then, you know that these people heard about those plagues, though. Moses was their leader. Moses was telling them, guys, obey the Lord, because this is what he has done for you in the past. You know, during that first plague, God turned water into blood. And all all the sea and the, the rivers and stuff, all the stuff in there died. The second plague, he sent frogs. And uh, if you're reading the Bible through this year, stop for a second when you get to the plague of the frogs because you'll notice that Moses says to Pharaoh, when do you want me to get rid of these frogs? And Pharaoh says, in the morning. So apparently you'll see in the Bible that Pharaoh wanted one more night with the frogs and then they'll be gone the next day. So the plague of frogs was next and then the gnats and then the flies and then this fifth, fifth plague, the Egyptian livestock die. Not the Hebrew livestock, but the Egyptian livestock. Then the sixth plague, they had boils and sores. The seventh plague was hail, big, terrible, kill you kind of hail. The eighth plague was locusts that ate everything in the land. The ninth plague was darkness. The Lord could even keep tell the sun when to shine and when not to shine. And then the tenth plague was the death of the firstborn. And that's where we got the Passover from. God said that I'm going to kill all the firstborn. But if you will take the blood of a lamb and cover your house in it, cover the doorposts and the lentils of your house, the death angel will pass over. And guys, that's the same, same thing with us. We are passed over in our judgment if we have the blood of the lamb covering us. And so these Israelites knew, or they certainly should have known, that the battles ahead depended far more on their obedience to the Lord than on their might. It wasn't their fighting prowess that helped them take the land. It was their obedience to their Lord. And let me tell you that our victory depends so much more on our obedience to the Lord than any other thing. You know, we, uh, we need to go out and visit people. We need to have a visitation program. But more than a visitation program, we need each and every individual in here to be equipped to share the hope that's within us. The Bible tells us to be able to do that. We want to be able to do that confidently. Now, this is why our next point is they were to read, learn, and obey the Word. They were to be obedient. How do you be obedient? Well, you learn, you read it, you learn it, and you obey the Word. In Joshua 1, 7 through 8, He says, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. All the law. That was their scripture. Okay? Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Do you want this church to have good success? Then let's pay attention to the law, the Bible. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Do you remember the story of Jericho? Once they got into the promised land, they found this, one, this big city that was walled up, secure as could be. And there was an insurmountable wall there. 
God told them to do something really weird that had nothing to do with overcoming a wall, right? He told them to march around it for days on end and then to march around it and blow trumpets. Now, y'all know I'm a musician and instrumental music and all that kind of stuff. I've heard some loud trumpets, but I never heard any that would blow a wall down. So God told them to do some things that didn't make any sense. I think we, we have significant barriers to overcome as well. You guys know that this church, and I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't mean any insult, but I think we realize that we have sort of an older congregation. And that is a little bit of a challenge to grow a, a big old church. So that's one obstacle that we have. Another is the demographics of our area, right? The people in this building, for the most part, don't look like the people on the street here that we, that we are on, right? So the demographics are a, are a significant barrier to revitalizing and growing this church. We also have the expense of maintaining a really big building. Uh, that is a barrier that we have to overcome. So the key to victory is not ingenuity. It's not great preaching. It's not a certain type of worship music. It is obedience to the Lord. So let me ask you, what do we do? Uh, I, don't, I don't see a point in preaching unless we see what we should do about the truth that we learn, right? So what do we do? Well, just like these guys, we work to claim the victory that is already the Lord's. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Go, just like they were to go, we are to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Now, guys, we love what is pragmatic. Uh, I do too. If something works, that's what we go with, right? Uh, That's how we are as Americans. We love the pragmatic. God's plan is the best plan. So I think that obeying His command is the key to revitalizing West Laurel Baptist Church. But even if it's not, even if God doesn't revitalize this church, regardless, we are to follow orders, right? We're to be faithful. We're to be personally faithful and faithful as a congregation regardless of what the Lord chooses to do with us. The next thing that we need to do is know that God will be with us. Hebrews 13.5, the end of the verse says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Does that sound familiar, right? We, we hear this throughout the word of God. The writer of Hebrews reminds us what God told Joshua. And in the Great Commission, Jesus said on the next verse there, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So know that God will be with us. We are to be strong and courageous, just like he told Joshua. Now let me ask you, why? Or do we, why? What's the basis of our courage? Well, the one who is with us, he will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. Matthew 28, 18 says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority has been given to Jesus. And you know, we read the Gospels and we see Jesus and he's 
He's powerful and he's strong, but he's also very meek and very humble. But let me tell you what Jesus is doing right now and how, how Jesus is right now. Revelation 1, 13 through 18 describes our Lord who will be with us. In the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man was there, clothed with a, with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. So that's the one that has promised to be with us in the battles that we have coming up. The next thing that we should do is read, learn, and obey the Word of God. Now how, how should we do that? Well, let me encourage you as, as strongly as I can to read the Word yourself. Um, I, know, I know people, and one person told me, I've never read the whole Word, and this was an older lady. She said, I never read the whole word because I'm not sure that I'll understand all of it. And if I don't understand it, I might get kind of confused about stuff and I don't want to, I don't want to learn some things wrong. I just, I want the preacher to tell me what to think about this stuff. Guys, that is a very old, old kind of Catholic way of thinking. <laughs> the Holy Spirit in you will teach you through the, through the word. And so we need to each individually read and understand the Word of God. Let me ask you to come listen to the preaching of the Word as we assemble for corporate worship. That is another way that the Lord gets the Word into us. Let me encourage you to engage in small group Bible studies and also to find a good Sunday school. Now let me, let me tell you, what's the difference? Some people ask me, what's the difference between Sunday school and small group? So let me tell you what the difference is. Um, Sunday school is primarily a lecture time like, like this is. I mean, nobody would call preaching a lecture, but, you know, it's where one guy gets up and tells other people something, right? And that's a valid, good format. And that's what Sunday school principally is. One person teaches, the rest of the people kind of listen, and it's sort of a lecture time. That's good. It's great. Small groups are a little different, though. In small groups, we sit around in a circle Instead of one guy talking to people, we all talk to each other and we visit and we, we're able to glean the wisdom and the experience and the gifting of the Holy Spirit from the whole group. So I'm not telling you, hey, this is better. I'm telling you this is different and it's really good. So in the upcoming weeks, I would ask you to consider becoming a part of a small group. And if you say I'm in Sunday school, amen, that's wonderful. Great, be in Sunday school. Also, I would encourage you to be in a small group. We are going to, uh, Lord willing, start some new small groups. And we'll tell you when we do. And we'll encourage you to, to investigate those. I realize that there may be some here today that say, you know, I don't, I don't really want to work to claim the victory that is the Lord's. 
Um, yeah, I know that God will be with us. I don't really want to have to be strong and courageous, and I don't really want to read, learn, and obey the word if it tells me to do things that I'm not comfortable doing. Um, you know, you may say, well, I'm kind of an introvert. I don't really want to go knock on anybody's door that I don't know. And yeah, I could come up here and pray, but man, why do that? Because I can stay at home and pray, right? I mean, there's some of you that I'll try to encourage to be involved in this, and you'll just be like, nah, because while you don't want this church to close, if it does, what's the worst case scenario, right? You drive another 0.7 miles down the road, and you go to First Baptist, right? Uh, Let me give you something to think about. Some of you may be thinking, well, I'll attend. I I might even give, but the stuff you're asking for is a little bit radical. Um, If this is your attitude, first let me say that I understand that because we've been asked for years and years, and I don't mean this church, I mean we Southern Baptists have been asked to come fairly faithfully to give. That's it. That is not what the Great Commission asks us to do, though. The Great Commission asks us to go and make disciples. And so we've gotten a, a culture in our, in our Southern Baptist churches and in our American churches at large that say, hey, if you're showing up, man, you are doing what you're supposed to do. If you're showing up and giving, then you're going above and beyond. And what I'm saying is we gotta, if, if we want this church to survive, we've got to show up, we've got to give, and we've got to go and make disciples. Consider this, okay, as you contemplate whether or not you're going to be involved in the outreach of this church. What does it say about our love for our Savior and His bride if we don't do what we can to save this church? We can work together joyfully, motivated by love rather than duty. Let's think about that. (coughs) Ultimately, we we do what we want to do. Um, Jonathan Edwards, a brilliant pastor and theologian and and, uh, scientist and all kind of things. Uh, A lot of people think he was the greatest intellect ever born on the North American continent. Anyway, he he writes extensively on uh, the bondage of the will and how we do what we want to do. And if you read that for an hour, you'll you'll go, yes, I believe it. Okay, I'm going to quit reading this now. Um, But anyway, he proves that that we do what we want to do. Now, sometimes, you know, if I'm walking outside and somebody comes up with a gun and says, give me your wallet, I don't want to give them my wallet, right? But I do want to give them my wallet more than I want to get shot, right? So I'm going to do what I want to do, which is hand them my wallet. Okay, so I could maybe guilt some people, maybe guilt some people into doing a visitation program. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that at all. Here's the difference. If I were to come home one evening and say to Melissa, Melissa, get get good-looking clothes on. Let's go. We're going to go out on a date. Because what I want to do more than anything in the world is sit down with you, eat dinner with you, listen to how your day was, talk with you. Okay, she'd she'd like that, wouldn't she? I'd have a good day, she'd have a good day. You know, happy wife, happy life, right? That's a real thing. Okay, so we would have a good time. But if I came home one day and I said, Melissa, you need to get dressed because we're going to go eat. And she said, okay, why? And I said, well, you know, I promise to love you until death parts us and you're not dead, so let's go. All right, I don't think... I'd get the same reaction, right? I don't think she'd be as happy. I don't think I'd be as happy. So we can do what we're supposed to do out of a sense of obligation or we can do what we're supposed to do out of a sense of love for our Lord 
and for our neighbors. So let me encourage you that that is the way we ought to go about this. Let me take just a moment to say what that gospel is that we're going to take to people, Lord willing, is this. Jesus in my place. Guys, I, I sinned. You know, we talk about Adam and Eve falling in the Garden of Eden, and they did. And the whole human race has been cursed because of that. But we can't really blame them too much because I ratified their decision every time I sinned. And so I have sinned and separated myself from God. God solved that for me by sending His Son to die in my place and offers me Christ's righteousness if I will accept that by faith. And so if you've never done that today, that's, that's, point, that's first order of business. We need to make sure that that is settled. Because guys, if we don't have hope, we can't give them hope. So first thing is, if you don't know for sure that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. I want you to come up here in a minute when we sing, and I want us to get that settled. If you do know that, then I want us to consider for a minute. Um, <laughs> this uh, is subject to change, but we'll hear in a few minutes how we vote. But if I'm going to be here, I'm going to ask you to do a visitation program with me. And I understand if you can't physically go out, it's okay. God's sovereign. He knows you can't go walk the street, but you can come up here and you can pray. And you can give and you can contribute in other ways. But we've got to get out of these doors and into the face of people to share the gospel with them. And I'm going to ask you to do that. Um, I'm also going to ask you to join a small group. Why? Because I want your giftedness to benefit the body. So ponder that over the next couple of weeks. Pray about that. See what the Lord would have you do. And then if you have anything, you, if you have a prayer need that you want to come up and, and ask me to pray for, I'd be honored to pray for you. All right. Brother Jimmy, what are we going to sing? Take my life, lead me, Lord. Let's stand together. <laughs>